Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we're headed to Vegas. Are, yeah. are we going to have a big party? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> if, we, if we do, we can't talk about, it, of course, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All right, exactly. Not exactly true, though, because we're going to be doing a talk while we're there, and we're talking about it now even in advance. So Indeed. clearly there's some things we're going we're gonna to take away from there. We'll let it leak out, but we're we're going to the. Uh, I hope I get the name right. DevOps Enterprise Summit conference run by IT Revolution, and the reason we're going there is uh, the reason we got invited is because our book is coming out from IT Revolution Press. That's right. Uh, their publisher, and uh, very excited to go and uh, and see it. I I went to their London uh, event uh, this year, and uh, it was a very impressive, very well run, well organized, and I'm really excited to see the uh, the Las Las Vegas version. Indeed. Uh, a little more glitzy, I suspect, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Neither of us are gamblers, so uh, I, I think we may be a bit bored there but in, the, in, in Vegas, but not at the conference. So uh, we're going to be talking about conversational transformation, which in some sense is the topic of the book, although the book is called Agile Conversations, and we'll include a link to, to pre-order, which we, we think is going to be ready by the time this comes out. We're sure hopeful. And um, uh, the book is all about this idea of a conversational transformation. You want to fill us in on what that is, Jeffrey? Yeah, the idea is uh, we start with the idea that uh, a lot of companies out there right now are trying to transform in some way. Uh, and uh, we see people doing uh, for many years now that, you know, agile transformations, lean DevOps, uh, digital transformations. And in every case, uh, a very important part of that, if you're going to be successful, is that you have to change your culture. That's one of the main uh, takeaways. Uh, that when you read the, the literature about transformation, people talk about it. And it, it's not too surprising because when they say transformation, you mean really a, a dramatic change, not just a small tweak. And of course, it's not, it's not surprising then that that would have to require people behaving differently, thinking differently, relating to one another differently, which is really changing the culture. Uh, but a lot of people kind of haven't gotten the memo on that. I see an awful lot of transformations which seem to be mostly about uh, starting to have stand-ups or uh, having a, a retrospective or something like that. And it's about uh, things you do rather than how people think. So the, you, you found this very interesting thing that we put in the book, which I had never heard of, um, by a guy I also had never heard of, which gives you a kind of way to define what your culture is. It gives you a, a, a guide to it. Uh, do you want to describe who, who Mr. Westrom is and, and how, he, uh, how he gave us a, a guide? Yes, and this is something that I came across, and I think probably several of our listeners will have heard about it before if they've read the book Accelerate by uh, Fosgren, Humble, and Kim. Um, also IT Revolution Press, link in the show notes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so this is a, a book that uh, has some, some really um, solid uh, facts, where they've done some research into what are the uh, elements that allow people to be successful in building and scaling high-performing technology organizations. And when they they talked about this Western model of three cultures, and we'll put a link in the show notes uh, to his typology of organizational cultures. And and it's interesting because um, the, the, this model about the three types of culture is really a question about how do organizations process information. And uh, by process information, we, we mean things like um, how, how much cooperation is there? Um, how do you treat people who are bringing bad news? Um, how do you deal with discussions of responsibility and risks? Uh, how do you uh, um, deal with uh, bridging to different groups? 
um, things like this. When I do due diligence reports, one of my key questions that I always ask first is, how, how do you handle bad news? Can you tell me a story about when somebody brought you some bad news? What I'm looking for, I think subconsciously, because I, I don't know this model as well as you, Jeffrey, what I'm looking for is which, which culture are you in? Yeah, that's that's right, and that's that's a that's a, a really great test, and you'll get uh, different results from the three different cultures. Now, what are the three cultures? The the three cultures that Westrom describes are number one, pathological; number two, bureaucratic. Sounds and, great. Sign me up for that one. <laughs> number three, generative, and um, the idea of a pathological organization. This obviously sounds terrible, um, but what is it's what happens when the people are mostly concerned and preoccupied and, and particularly he says the, the leaders what what are what are they focused on whether they're focused on personal power needs their personal needs and personal glory these are the kind of things that end up with a pathological organization and now in such an organization as you said how do you deal with with bad news well in a pathological organization, messengers are shot. That's the <laughs> yep. people say you shouldn't shoot the messenger. They, they they completely disagree. Like put that person against the wall, and and they deal with bad news and failure by scapegoating. They have to find someone to blame because the uh, the the idea is that their uh, direction, their rule, their uh, their authority is not open to challenge. Uh, so that's what you'll see in a pathological organization when you ask your question. Sure. And it is, I was joking before, but it is kind of um, intentionally described in very negative terms. Uh, Westrom is, is not a fan of the pathological uh, organization <laughs> structure. But the, it does have its adherence. Uh, well, yes, I think that's true. I think usually the people who are in uh, positions of power. Now, the one thing, though, I think if you if you take two different elements here, there's there's the label we give it, and and sort of the uh, motivations we put behind it, which is we're seeing that people uh, are care about their personal power needs or glory. But then there's a second element, which is how you characterize it. What are the observable behaviors? And I think sometimes yep. you'll see these same behaviors come up. Even with people who who wouldn't understand and even even aren't genuinely aren't interested in personal power, however, their their, their mode of existence and this I think this to me is the key point. Their culture, their way of behaving, independent of how they got there, is a, is pathological, even if this this wasn't the original motivation. Uh, so I think you you will find places that are very um, adverse to bad news, um, even if there wasn't a, you know a, a pathological leader at the top, if you will. It's become the culture of the organization, how they how they deal with information. Got it. So how about bureaucratic? Uh, sounds like that one's going to be kind of neutral, kind of in, in the middle. If uh, Westrom's going to be uh, going to be lukewarm on that one. <laughs> yes, it's, he's got a very good descriptive uh, title for this one. A, a bureaucratic culture is one that's preoccupied with rules, with positions, and with departmental turf. You know, this is, people would talk about um, the way things are done here. Uh, uh, they wanted things uh, uh, by the book. You know, we've written down the standards. Um, and in bureaucratic organizations, often the the leadership style is uh, um, less of an influence because this is kind of again the culture has become very much about rules and turf and positions rather than uh, an individual. And also, and I, this will com contrast with generative, with about what the actual goals are, the mission of the organization. And if, if we make that as a transition, that's the, the, the what's different about a generative culture is that they're really focused on the mission itself. It's really about um, how can we 
be successful in meeting the mission of the organization. And, and interestingly, this is another place where actual leadership does a huge amount to set the direction. As, as with the pathological, very often the, the, the leadership style has a big impact on whether the culture that develops is generative or not. And it's sort of like in the absence of a strong leadership drive, people will tend to revert back to kind of a, a, a bureaucratic norm. Well, without without other direction, you know, we're we're going to fall back on where we feel comfortable, which is the rules and 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 positions. What's what what does the org chart look like? What is, what do the job descriptions say? Uh, and then it requires some positive energy to to from leadership to say, look, we we have a mission here, and we should all be focused on that on that mission, uh, as opposed to uh, focusing on the on the the rules or what we've traditionally done. Got it. Okay. So if you can put your organization in one of these buckets, if you can say it's pathological or bureaucratic or generative, uh, um, and you can do that with the, the bad news test or by examining the leadership or, or in several other ways Westrom suggests, what, once you've done that, what, what do you do with it? How, why is that useful? Well, I think it's useful in, in, for us in our context because it, at um, the DevOps Enterprise Summit, we're going to be talking about this issue of transformation and how when, when organizations, they're coming from one of these three cultures, they're coming from a pathological culture or a bureaucratic culture or a generative culture. And um, most likely, <laughs> it's probably one of the first two. Um, it's, it's probably they're coming from a pathological or bureaucratic culture. And the things that the way that they are going to undertake their transformation is going to reflect the culture that they have today, rather than the culture that they say they want to move to. I think this is this is a this is a, a an unexpected stumbling block for a lot of these transformations that that people uh, launch and undergo is that uh, they will come at it from say a, 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 a pathological culture trying to do a, a transformation to agile or digital or whatever it is, but it's going to be run in a pathological way, which means it'll be very top down. It's very much about the 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 needs of the people at the top that they want to say that they're successfully leading this transformation and that they're going to get this glory and written up in uh, you know all the business press about their fantastic transformation and it, it, when that happens you know the the, the uh, when you bring in this mindset uh, i you're not going to be successful you're, you're you're not even attempting to change the culture you're just dictating to people you're going to you're going to have say agile by fiat or you know we're going to proclaim whatever we do to be devops because that's what all we care about is getting the the named result yes we successfully transitioned to, to devops and now i can i, I can get the write-up that i was looking for i can i can get my bonus i can i can uh, claim success for the transformation um, but of course in these kind of transformations by name only there's very little transformed uh, on the ground Sure. And how about if I'm going from bureaucratic to generative? What if I'm because uh, uh, there's an underlying assumption here that when you do the transformation, you're trying to get to generative. That that's going to be more in tune with the human-centered development. That's our term for it, the human-centered um, development approaches like DevOps and Lean and Agile. That you're you're going to need to be generative. Am I right? First of all, that that's that's the assumption. 
Well, I, I think it's I think I would say it's our assumption. And if you if you yes, read sorry. what people say, and I think it's I think it's more than an assumption though. If you read what people say, um, if you read Accelerator, you read um, any of these books, uh, the Digital Helix um, by uh, Michael Grove or whatever. They'll they'll say you you need to change your culture. You need to have a focus on the mission. If you this is very similar to the Amy Edmondson idea of psychological safety, and in her book Teaming, she talks about the need for leaders to. Um, have this kind of focus on the mission. So they, this is what the literature says you're trying to achieve. And I think it's certainly true that when you, as part of the maturation of these different um, transformations, you see more and more uh, discussion over time about the cultural elements. Certainly DevOps is a good example of this. The original DevOps days were very much focused uh, quite a bit on tools. Um, you know, how do we uh, do this or that? You know, how can we have the kind of monitoring? Use puppet or, or know, chef? Which which one? What's <laughs> the right thing to do? Exactly, and they, people wanted to hear war stories of what it actually people had done in the technical domain. But as people start to solve the technical problems, and as the um, answers are better understood, um, what becomes the, the the blocker point then is culture. And so you see a lot more discussion about soft skills. You see a lot more discussion about establishing the right culture. Now. Unfortunately, and again, this is our observation, is a, a lot of these things, a lot of these um, advice that you see, they they don't really have much of a um, model for how you actually change the culture. They just say change the culture, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, do 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 the thing, and they might they might the closest they get is sort of cargo cult um, kind of directions, you know, force people to sit together, uh, you know, sit them together, and that will force them to collaborate. That they'll just naturally. Uh, uh, start having a different culture, and not that that never happens. Like sometimes it will. Your your chances of having people collaborate are higher if they're face to face and at a whiteboard than if they're, you know, in in different departments and have been told not to talk to one another. Um, but but if they're sat next to each other, but terrified that the pathological boss is going to come down and yell at them for uh, doing the wrong thing, they're not terribly likely to collaborate. Exactly, that's right. Or if they're or if they're being told, you know. Uh, yes, go sit sit down together. But we're also doing this all by the book, you know. And, you know, here's here's the Scrum book for you, uh, Mr. Developer, and you know, here's the DevOps book for you. Oh, look, we'll get a DevOps engineer then, to, <laughs> because that's that's what we've been told to do. And, and you won't get. I, this I refuse of, to call system admins uh, DevOps. I just refuse to do it. <laughs> but we certainly see it well enough, and I think that's a reflection of this bureaucratic approach um, that they're. Uh, they're trying to do things by the rules, by the way they've been standardized, without uh, being aware of what's our situation, what's the mission, and now what we do is going to be a function of what we need to do to succeed. So we we think this is lacking that, and this is I think where we come back to this, our title, conversational transformation. Um, we're, we're trying to tell people there we we have a suggestion about where you start, uh, which is to start by looking at your conversations, and. Uh, the reason is, if we, if anyone looks at this, the table from Westrom of the three cultures and how they process information, and you ask them, well, what, you know, which of these things should you do? Do you think you should be shooting messengers or neglecting messengers, or should you be, you know, training them? Should you, should you be, uh, should a failure lead to scapegoating or a search for justice, or should failure lead to an inquiry to understand what's happening? People will always choose. They'll always espouse. The type of behavior you see in generative cultures, you and I see this all the time. We'll ask people, "Hey, we have this decision. 
how should we go about making it? And everyone will say, oh, we should be curious. We should, we should want to gather all the information the organization has, and we should be transparent. We should share everything we know. But in practice, when we look at their conversations and how they actually communicate, they're not doing that. Absolutely. This was our uh, coaching that we were doing together just this past week, Jeffrey. We were uh, helping someone observe some um, uh, pathological behavior, I think would be fair to say. And we recommended um, uh, surprising, at least to, to the person we were coaching, uh, approach, which wasn't to, to change the culture, to change something broad, to, to um, bring in some new initiative. It was to uh, write us a, uh, an analysis of a conversation. And I'm very hopeful that for that particular person we're coaching, it'll be helpful. Um, and what we see over and over and over again is that when you start with the conversations that you're having and people who are uh, participating in those conversations are being reflective about what type of culture they want to create and they're practicing how to do it better, that's crucial, then we see substantial uh, transformation and very quickly. But if you don't do those things, you get bogged down in your your uh, existing pathological or bureaucratic culture. No, that's right. And I think one, one thing here you said, if, if people uh, uh, want to, but really it, it can start with just one person. In the, in, and I think this, to me, this is a very empowering idea that it only takes one person to say, I'm going to start being more aware of my conversation and how I'm behaving. And that their self-awareness can be the seed that would then uh, spread out and and uh, encompass more and more of the organization. That it really just takes one person to be the lead because everyone already uh, generally has an agreement about what would be better, and they just uh, lack the self awareness about the limits of their own behavior. And as one person becomes more self aware, they can begin facilitating new conversations, getting better outcomes, and you can get a real virtuous circle happening here. Um, so that's that's uh, to me very important. Absolutely. And that's, of course, exactly what we were trying to create with the, the single person we're coaching. It's like a 40-person organization, and then the, the whole company is, is, I think, in the hundreds. But we're coaching one person in that organization, and my prediction, because I've seen this over and over again, is that by that person changing behavior, we're going to see that spread out to the rest of the, the group. For example, I had a, a client a few months ago where the development team really wasn't functioning well. I coached really intensively one person, and he really changed uh, how uh, he was approaching the whole uh, uh, set of problems that development were trying to work on. And uh, suddenly people came to me from the rest of the organization. They said, well, we saw how, how he's doing it. So we've started to do some things differently over here as well. And uh, the, the uh, CEO of the company was ecstatic about the, the level of change that was happening, but it was really from chiefly changing the behavior of one person. So I've seen that over and over again. If you don't believe us, go try it. And and if you want to know how to try it, um, the very best thing uh, that you'll do is, of course, you know, buy our book and, find, and learn about all the techniques. Sadly, but, we're out of time in this podcast. Sorry, we can't tell you how to actually do it yet. But buy the book. No, uh, but there's also an opportunity at the uh, DevOps um, uh, Enterprise Summit in Las Vegas to hear us talk about it because we really talked about just two slides out of the half hour presentation. There's lots more. Right. And, and of course, for, since we are talking to our podcast listeners, uh, you may have heard. If not, you can go back and, and listen to again. We have talked about uh, what we will be talking about in our, in our talk. At least one element is the four R's, 
of learning from conversations. So we'll put a link uh, to that podcast episode. And strangely, there are six of them. So so that's that's definitely confusing. But uh, it's uh, uh, the the six four R's is uh, uh, definitely a topic to pick up because that's the steps that you can take to actually change your transfer change your conversations. That's right, and change your conversations and change your culture. I think that might be a good subtitle. We should use that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, let's let's do well, that. Everybody, we'd love to see you in Las Vegas. Uh, I think it'll be a week from when this podcast goes out. So it'll be uh, next week. It's the last week of October. Um, tickets still available. We'd love to see you there. Come by and you know, get a signed book. Uh, we, we'll have the early versions out uh, there. If you want to get in touch with us another way, uh, that would be super. We're at troubleshootingagile.com. And there you can find us on email and Twitter and all the other fantastic ways to get in touch. We'd like questions and comments and discussions and arguments. Uh, have you tried any of these techniques? Uh, do you think your organization is in one or more of the Westrom buckets for uh, organizational culture? Get in touch. Tell us what you think. And, of course, we always like it when you subscribe to us. And in some way, make sure that you listen to us every Wednesday, even when we're enjoying the, the delights of Las Vegas, so, such as they are. We, we will be uh, putting out podcasts we're recording ahead so that we can do that. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.